Hey yo, welcome back everybody. It's your boy KG. It's your boy LB. What's going on? Yeah, we back with you for Thin Lime Team Loving Sports, uh, episode eight. Eight. Keeping it moving. Yeah, we rolling. Yeah. So what else been going on with you? Man, just uh, same old, same old. Man, no changes on this side. What's yep. going on with you? Same here, man. Slow motion, trying to wrap up a another semester of school, man, and another semester just work. You know, we going to our uh, first year my assistant principal, so okay. trying to wrap that up, man. It's almost summertime. Yeah, trying to get to it. <laughs> trying to get some traveling or something, man. I gotta, gotta move around, man. Everybody else jealous of our other teachers this time of year. Yeah. Other than that, we we don't want your job, but all right. So yeah, we good. We're good <laughs> these kids, man. Y'all ain't gotta have them, so take them off y'all hands for a little bit. But yeah, um, so we back with it. Then on we loving sports. You know, we're talking to you about some issues that kind of revolve around sports and help kind of kind right. of drive sports around us. Right, right, right. You know, uh, again, trying to express that duality between sports and life. Uh, a lot of these things go hand in hand, and you don't even realize it. Right. So, uh, so thing I just want to jump right into it is pretty much, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Duke fan. Okay. I'm a Duke basketball fan, and we just signed a five year five year recruit, uh, five star recruit. My bad, five star recruit. True. Thing about it is is that he's actually classified as a junior in high school. Uh-huh. And so he's reclassifying up to graduate early so he can go play this sport. Now, come to find out, this hasn't been something that's uh, wasn't happening pretty regularly now in basketball or in sports period. Yeah. Kids are starting to reclassify up, you know, at the high school level so they can get to the school, uh, get to college. So my thing is, uh, what do you think about that, man? I think, cause I think it might be like the new age of the farming system that, you know, the NBA have you talking about as far as when we talk about basketball. Right. Uh, yeah, in, in basketball, I see that it's uh, really starting to become a thing. I, I, I don't know who's done it before uh, Marvin Bagley, but I know he was the uh, the highest profile uh, prospect to do that. And I do think it's a, a farming system in a way, uh, is, is especially if you are an elite recruit, Mm-hmm. Like most of the kids are that are trying to reclassify up. Right. Some of them are legitimate juniors. Some of them are not. So the ones that are legitimate juniors, you're just bypassing that last year of high school. And now you're really starting to be amongst some real elite talent. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas um, just using Tyrese Maxey as an example, Shout out to Tyrese Maxey from yeah, Garland. Great, great player out of South Garland uh, who possibly may uh, reclassify up. He's just going to leave Texas UIL where they don't play many national games. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't play against those top teams, those uh, academies and things like that. Yeah. He's just going to bypass that and go straight to Kentucky where now, you know, you're playing against more competition to prepare you for the third level. Yeah. So I like it in a sense. What do you think about it? Um, I think it's I think it's a good thing, like I said, especially if we're if we're always talking about these high profile athletes, you know, what are, what are we really servicing servicing for them to stay another year in high school? Yeah, you know what I mean. Especially take somebody like um, Zion. I definitely yeah. think he could have reclassified last year mm-hmm. and moved up because he had so much hype, you know, and he, uh, he really did his hype didn't really grow too much more this year. It was just yeah him trying to overdo what he did, and it was just. Now it became a show. Yeah, some people are just too good for high yeah, school. Yeah, you know, you know what so. I mean? And it happens. And I think so. And I think like you 
instead of you going straight to the NBA, if you just go to the college earlier, yeah, I think that really helps you develop your game because, like, talking about the rule before was you have to be removed from school at least one year, right, uh, and be nineteen. And be nineteen. So these kids are leaving out, you might get a chance of playing two years of college two basketball, years. and that can be great to your, you know, right. to your career, right? But you still and you're still on, you're still going to the NBA at a fairly young age. Yeah, I mean, you'll be in. In the NBA at 19, at for the most part, still. if you are that good. Yeah. And, I mean, just looking at um, two of the biggest surprises of the rookie class this year, Cal mm-hmm. uh, Kuzma, yep. who played three years in college, and Donovan Mitchell, who played two years in college. Yeah. So those are the biggest surprises of the rookie class. And you guys think I Tatum, too. You watching Tatum right yeah, now? Tatum, yeah, Tatum. But, I mean, he wasn't a surprise, though. You know, oh, we yeah. knew what he did. We knew what he was about. But well, see, my own thing about it, see, okay, I ain't mean to cut you off. Okay, no, you good. But me going from Tatum, it was like, okay, so I'm a Duke fan, so I watched Tatum the whole year, and he did, he had like little flashes, and he didn't like really show up to what he really was, what he was about until he got to the ACC tournament. Right. Yeah. He and he, then he got he in. Peaking. Right. Like, he peaked at the end. Yeah. So you know I'm saying, imagine if he was in college for two years though. Yeah, imagine and, if he was there it's, it's as a seventeen-year-old, and then eighteen-year-old, he really would have took off, and so he he probably be doing a whole lot better than what he's doing in the NBA now, and he's having a great season. Yeah, I, I think there's benefits to going to college. Yeah. I think, uh, especially if you go into one of these blue blood schools mm-hmm. where uh, you're playing for a good coach like Coach K, and he's putting some some real life structure into your game. Yeah, um, I, I like that. I don't think you can lose from doing that. Mm. So it's some benefits to it to me. Now, as with anything, when it comes to amateur sports, of course it can become oversaturated and you may have a lot of kids who are one dumb because they just passing you along in high school. Yeah. You know, you're really not making these grades. We, we, we know that that could be a possibility because you still have to have enough credits to graduate. Yeah. And two, you may not be good enough to go to that third level either. So you might want to enjoy this time that you have in high school because you may be back home pretty soon. That's true. But I just think what I think about with this is that, you know, with the college coaches doing like this, persuading these kids to leave early, I think it's it's helping them handpick who they want Mm -hmm. even more. You know what I mean? So you can kind of build your program up that way. And like you said, now you see these kids for two years now rather than one. Right. And, um, even like the kid they just signed for Duke, his plan is to go to Duke, but he's going to redshirt his first year. So he's still there two years, but he's going to redshirt the first one just so he can kind of like get that athlete, um, I, that elite athlete practice in him. I'm going to keep but, it real with you. I think he's redshirting because this freshman class Duke has <laughs> is insane. Yeah, it's insane. You, so, you get me right. And he's, um, go ahead and put it out there, he's, he's not a black athlete. He's good, though. He's definitely very good, but you know, I'm talking about he has the okay. Let me not who, let me not say black. Who's gonna be the? I think he's coming from a wealthy background already. Who, who's gonna be the four for them this year? Uh, RJ Barrett, ain't it? well. He's a three, but he still can play. So Zion's Zion gonna be the four. Zion's gonna be the four. Right. So yeah, you ain't starting from Zion, bro. No, you ain't starting new one. No, exactly. Okay, so, so um, I like it. Now we can talk about reclassification 
the other way, mm-hmm. if you want. You want to speak on that? Yeah, let's go ahead and jump into that too. All right. So, like, a lot of people don't know. So, I, now, I'm not sure 100% if uh, Marvin Bagley was a part of this, but he, he did reclassify up. But when he classified up, he was really just back into his normal age. Original his grade. original age. Yeah. yeah. So, he actually was supposed to be in college already. So, with that being said, something must have happened before, which means he reclassified down right. at some point <laughs> right. that nobody really knew about. Right. And that's what's happening a whole lot. A lot. You know what I mean? That's a been lot. going on for I don't know how long. We, well, these kids try to buy another year so they can get their their college oh, oh. Uh, or they get their name out there even more yeah. and build them up. Maybe they do it before they get into high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the time they become freshmen – these kids are already 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", 8th graders. And I'm like, come on, man. You didn't hit puberty and grew already? Exactly. No, these kids are like 15 in the 8th grade, you know? Yeah. So that's one thing that um, I don't like about reclassification. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I have a son that plays in tournaments. And every once in a while, uh, I stick around and I watch other kids play. And you'll see the freshman yeah. tournaments and these kids are dunking they got beards and stuff and i'm like come yeah, on man boys like, deep in everything where, where, where are you finding these freshmen at right that's what i'm saying they reclassifying down man and it's like it's and it's a lot of it goes on in these academies oh yeah these prep schools you know what i mean it's because like it's like there's no really you all yours there's no governing body yeah it's, yeah. Not, yeah it's not really big involved in it to kind of regulate all that so they say hey let's do this and then you'll by another year, and you can, you know, you'll have be pretty much an 19-year-old senior. Yeah, you and know? it happens a lot. Yeah, it happens it's, a lot. It's, I mean, I, I I challenge anybody that listens um, to go look at the age of all of the potential draft picks, mm-hmm. and you'll see that you have a bunch of 20-year-olds that are freshmen in college yep. that are about to get drafted. Yep. Like, there's not many 19-year-olds that are in uh, college or 18-year-old that are about to be 19, that are about to be drafted. These kids are already 20 years old, and they just did their first year of college. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, just just go take a look at that. Yeah, and there's even kids out there, too, who are seniors and feel like they're not ready for college or they feel like they didn't, oh, get, yeah. the, they didn't get the offers they wanted. So they'll leave their – they'll graduate their high school pretty much, and they'll go on to an academy. To a prep school. To a prep school. And you, they'll be there, and you, you know, they going under under the radar pretty much. Mm-hmm. And you playing against and you playing high against school them. kids, yeah. You know, a fifth year senior in yeah. high school, so you're like, looking real good. They kind of take a longer route where they'll go to a top notch like JUCO, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? They didn't work their way up that way, right? Right. Instead of going to JUCO, yeah, they'll find another little prep school where they can do a fifth year high school. Yeah. Uh, the kids, I think Anthony Simmons, that's supposed to get drafted this year. That's what he did. I know Thon Maker. He Thon did, Maker that. did that. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot. Of, it's it's a tricky game out there, man. It's when it comes to these sports, game, man. and we just talking about basketball. It goes on in football too. Yeah. So the parents that want their kids to play football just know that if you have a fourteen year old in the eighth grade, and when he goes to become a freshman, if that district allows freshmen to play varsity. Mm-hmm. You could have a 14, 15-year-old out there playing against 19-year-olds, and they're not going to show him any mercy. So yep. that's just something to think about. Yeah. I said, just make sure you just do your research, man, because like there's definitely some loopholes out there, and people are definitely taking advantage of them oh, as yeah. much as they can. Oh, yeah. Because just because, I mean, these coaches, they're all into 
the branding business too, just like oh, more than anything. Oh, yeah. So they, if they can buy a kid another um, another mm-hmm. year to help them build their school brand out there, they definitely gonna do it. They trying to win because winning help their pocket. So yep, exactly, they if it's within the rules, they gonna do it. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good topic. So reclassification up or down, look into it, check that out. All right, um, let's go ahead and move on, man, to NFL. Okay, you know, so you sent me this article the other day. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? My boy, Dez Bryant, man. Oh, Dez. Still sitting out there. Throw up the X. No offers. Can't even get the the Veterans lead. minimum. Veterans minimum. And it's like, so my question that I want to pose to you, you know, to everybody else is, is Dez being blackballed? What is really, what's going on? I mean, because, you know, when the whole thing happened with Colin Kaepernick, they happened with Eric Reed, then they don't have a job like that right now. And they... We all said they're being blackballed. Then you, so now we have this high-profile player, Des Bryant, who is really good, who yeah. has a big name in the NFL still, still produces. Um, he doesn't have a job still. Doesn't have a job. You know, at first go, we can say that Colin Kaepernick, you know, he wasn't as good as he was. Right. We can say Eric Reed wasn't as good as he was. But right. Des Bryant is still pretty much in his prime. So exactly. Like, what's, really, I mean, what's really going on? There's a lot of teams that have receivers on their roster that are not as good as Des Bryant. So the question you ask is, is he being blackballed? And after watching <laughs> most of the All or Nothing series on um, Amazon, on Amazon, shout out to that. That's free marketing for y'all. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I I don't know if it's being blackballed because I think that's a stronger word than what it is. Mm-hmm. I think teams just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, you know and. I don't know if it was purposely done. I mean, it feels like it was, that it was just like so uh-huh. strategic. Of like, how they portrayed him. One of how they portrayed uh-huh. him, and then two when they released him. Okay. Knowing that this would come out within about a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah. And it's like they made it to where the market for him was just bare. Yeah. Because if you would have released him early, they would have jumped on him. All the red flags, all the issues, whatever, that's Dez Bryant. Yeah. We can use them. You jump on them early in free agency. But when you wait after the money is spent, right before the draft, now a lot of teams, they don't have the money to, you know, to pay Dez what he wants. Yeah. And then when this comes out where it looks like he's being combative towards coaches, he looks like he's being combative towards his quarterback. And his numbers are down. He doesn't look like he has it like he had it a couple years ago. It's very easy to stay away from him now. Yeah. And I feel like it was strategic, man. What do you what do you think about this? So my take on it is this, man. I feel like Dez kind of created his own demise. Yeah. You know, of course, like you said, you had the you had the show on Amazon where we show these snippets. We've seen these snippets of mm-hmm. him, you know, how he gets into it with the players or how he has outbursts. And some of the outbursts are just mistaken from the public, but we saw how it was behind the scenes, mm-hmm. really him trying to cheer the team on or just say that, you know, they ain't nothing or whatever. But there was a couple of things that stood out to me in that where you had the coach talking and you pointed out to me too, where he said, when Dez is good, he's a great person to be around. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest people to be around. But when he's not, it's like, you can't really tolerate him. Yeah. And I feel like if that coach feels like that, he cannot, it's, it's good. 
it's good reason to believe that he's not the only one that feels like they're on, on the team. Yeah. So I feel like they had to get rid of him. Now, after they got rid of him, I feel like Dez could have took that a whole different way. As soon as he got released, he went to Twitter. He hadn't even left the parking lot. And he mm. jumping on Twitter talking about, you know, how this is personal. I'm coming back for y'all. I'm playing NFC East. I'm doing this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Instead of him being more professional about it, he was like, it's more like he's more in his feelings about it. Yeah. And so that's that, a good point. And too. I think that made teams more like, you know, uh, less attracted to him. Right. Because I'm like, man, this dude here, like, he's not even really about his, about, yeah, about it's, it's about himself. Yeah. You know, a lot of players at that time, they would have been like, okay, they, they think two choices. I'm going to go get my money somewhere for maybe a sorry team, or I'm going to try to go to a, a good team and try to give me a ring. His whole perspective was something totally different. Yeah. I'm trying to beat the Cowboys now. This and that. You know what right. I mean? So I just feel like he kind of created this on his own because it made people less uh, attracted to him, made him more less attractive just because of his own antics after that. Right. And, and like, and, you know, because Jerry ain't really drug him through the mud. You, Nobody. It's been, Tony, Tony's been saying right. he's good it's, for locker room. Everybody's on these things. Like a little bit here and there. But I mean, nothing just crazy and nothing that we didn't already know. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You got a great point. I mean, for you to immediately after you get released, the first thing you do is get on Twitter and talk about how personal this is instead of keeping it professional. And then you sit down for an interview with a local news station to say how personal this is and you throwing the coach under the bus and you alluding to certain people with the C on their jerseys, the captains, Mm -hmm. you know, Making it hard for you and pushing you out and all that. I mean, teams don't want that, especially yeah. in the NFL where it's like a, a you know good old boy mm-hmm. type of league. Like they don't, they don't want that. And I think yeah, he tried to go into this whole campaign where I'm working out with Odell Beckham now, so maybe I can get my slide in the door with the Giants and this and that. And like it don't work like that. It's not the NBA. The NBA, you can kind of you know put these little. These mm-hmm. shows on and kind of do your own recruitment in a safe. You right, want to say that right. NFL is totally different, right. man. It don't work like that at all. So I just they'll, they'll think go that it out. I hate that it's happening for Dez, man. Cause I, I really like his. I like I like his emotion for the game, mm-hmm. his passion for the game. I love it, but I feel like now is just it's taking him out of the game. Okay, so um, let me ask you a question: Do you think Dez gets picked up before the season? Yeah. I think he will. I think he'd be picked up before the season just because, like you just said, there's a lot of teams out there who need a receiver. Even if he signs somewhere, just be a number two. Right. I think, you know. It's a hell I mean? of a number two. You know? But he's going to have to He's gonna have to humble himself. Yeah. He's going to have to humble himself. Man, like you, you said, because the Ravens, he had that. I, say, I I can't remember. I don't know if the Ravens took the offer off the table or he denied it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was one of the, I, th- I want to say the Ravens took it off the table, but it was like he hesitated. He didn't yeah. want to. He didn't even sign it. it was like seven, seven million, million a year for three years. For three years, and I mean, <sighs> it's a it's a job. Yeah, you know. And I know it's a game where you're not supposed to take the first offer, anyways. Just like you know what I'm saying. But it's like it's kind of late in the game. Yeah. And, but then now you're not even getting the veterans minimal. It's Man. like that's saying a lot. Yeah. To go from seven million, and I think the veterans minimum is one million. Mm-hmm. So that's six million a year that you potentially just lost. Yeah, you know because you and your feelings, like you said, man, yeah. you and your feelings. And I get it; it's hard for Dez because you know since we in Dallas, we know a little bit more about Dez. But really, Dez 
he grew up with the Cowboys. Yeah. Like he didn't have a home life yeah. when he was in Oklahoma State, when he was in Lufkin. Like his home life was in such turmoil that when he got to Dallas, he was still essentially a kid. Yeah. So he had to learn to mature and grow up and and you know. Yeah. So he probably feels a lot stronger about the Cowboys. That's a good point. Than the average mm-hmm. NFL player does. Yeah. Because they had to assign somebody to him to be a role model and a father figure and a a, a guidance counselor and all these things. You know, they had to do that for him because he was just so young and so wild and and just so immature and so raw when he got here that he probably does feel like this is a family. And he said that I love Jerry Jones. Like Jerry Jones, he treated me like a son. And Jerry Jones probably did treat him like that. But like you talked about earlier too, like as far as him being a business and, you know, a corporation or whatever, it's like I think they they might be getting tired of just trying to babysit him. Yeah. I mean, it looked like it was a lot of babysitting going on on the show. (laughs) On the show, right. It looked like a lot of the stuff that they had to do is like they had to – uh, walk on eggshells around days. Yeah, and that's and that's tough. You know? Yeah, that's tough, especially trying to build a younger culture. Like, uh, for example, when they was getting ready to play Denver, you know this 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 ain't no regular defense. This mm. is Denver. This is two all pro cornerbacks. This is Von Miller. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. This is that defensive line. They yeah. got some good linebackers on the other side of Von Miller too. So the receivers coach was just trying to say, we as receivers, we can't put our B game out. We can't march out here, you know, at our 80% of our best. He was like, in order to compete with this defense and these cornerbacks, we must be on our A game. And Dez Bryant took offense to that. And I get what Dez Bryant was trying to say. Like, don't come in here telling us about how good they are. Forget them. We the Cowboys. We nice. Yeah. And that's what he was saying. But – the coach was only just trying to give them the severity of the situation. Yeah, like, don't don't take them lightly. Yeah, don't take them lightly. And for that to offend Dez and him to go off on this tangent, and you know, he, it looks like he's bickering with the coach. It, it looked bad, even yeah. though his intentions wasn't bad. Like he just yeah. trying to say, like, "Hey, man, we good too." Mm-hmm. So you know, don't come in here trying to tell us how good they are. You know, we good. Yeah. But at the same time, the coach trying to get you to understand that this ain't no bullshit game. Yeah. This is a key to lead at Chris Harris Jr. And you saw what happened. He beat the brakes up. Thank there. you. So it's like, and Dez didn't do nothing. Yeah. So you can't have those outbursts against the coach when he's trying to tell you to step your game up and they take you out the game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, Dez, he he made it hard on himself. And and this show, it didn't paint him in a positive light, man. It didn't. And, and I know there's a lot of editing going on. Right. You know, so they could have like put some snippets here and there where it made this like that. But at the same time, like it's still, you still see some of his character though, and yeah. I remember we see it like just in Twitter though. I see how he gets into it. He with fans with the random and fans, stuff like, like that. Yeah. How does somebody like they get? How does somebody like that get to you? That's what that's what they're there for. They're there to troll you. Yeah, and you fall for it like every time. So that just kind of just shows like the type of the mindset he has. So oh. yeah, man. But you know, just to close this up, I hope that Dez does. Get picked up. I think he will get picked up. Yeah, I wish him all the best. And I just hope that it's a situation that he's happy with. You know? I mean, um, to me, the best team for him would be Green Bay. Maybe the Raiders, because uh, Derek Carr is really good at throwing the back shoulder fade. They stacked on now. But uh, he has to go to a team where the quarterback can throw the fade route. 
I see, I see him going towards somebody like I saw him think going to the word like what fits him best with his attitude and everything is the Bengals. Yeah, but they quarterback sucks. So, so it wouldn't help his, I mean, it wouldn't help his attitude. Right. I mean, but it's not like he it's not like a lot of quarterback yeah. you just choose from out there yeah. either. You know, so that's thing that'd be best fit, I think, to me for him would be the Bengals. The Bengals. Yep. Yeah. Because they take on those kind of players. You know what I mean? So we're gonna see, man. Yeah. All right. But yeah, so I mean, but now, you know, we're watching on TV right now too. 2018 NBA playoffs. First round. First round was man. It was entertaining. Yeah. It was uh, it was very entertaining. Very entertaining. Man. Was, uh, in a few different ways. Yeah, and that's when I was just saying, like, I was I was I can't remember who I was talking to, man, but they were just talking about how the playoffs, you know, how they was up in the uproar because Cat the Cavs lost and you know, and the Warriors and it looked like they was doing it as easy anymore either. But it was kinda like you know what I mean? This is how you want the playoffs to be. You don't want to see the Cavs sweep through everybody and the Warriors sweep through everybody nah. on one side. You know what I mean? So I love it. I think that this is probably some of the best playoffs that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. And the first uh, round. really, to me, what I like the most about these playoffs so far is we're starting to see the changing of the guard in the NBA. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see D-Wade. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Uh, we're starting to see Carmelo on the tail end of his career. And, uh, I mean, this speaks to the greatness of LeBron James. I, I think everybody from that 2003 draft, with the exception of David West mm-hmm. and LeBron, D-Wade and Carmelo, yeah. ain't playing no more. Nick Collison, he's still on Oklahoma, but he ain't playing no more. So, them the only people that are left from that draft. And we see what Dwayne Wade looked like. We see what Carmelo looked like. So yeah. the changing of the guard see, is here. Too, he David West, too. David West. I mean, he's just coming off the bench, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that. I, I love what Donovan Mitchell did to uh, OKC. Boy, you know what I'm saying. I love that Boston and Philly both advanced to the second round, and now they're playing against each other. Like I, I love that the youth, yeah, is uh, is really starting to step up and, and take charge. I mean. It's good for basketball. Yeah, I just thought you were going to say, I think this is just a sign of the seed that the NBA is getting better mm-hmm. as far as like as far as talent-wise. It's not, you, you don't see just this one or two one or two stacked teams just taking right. over and, and just running through everything, and nobody really watches into the finals. Right. Now, like, I'm more intrigued to watch almost all the playoffs games. I want to see Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, hey, I want to see Celtics with uh, Terry Rozier and the Young Cats, Tatum and them. I want to I watch this. Of course, you know, I like Ben Simmons. I like Embiid. I want to watch these dudes play. So it's just – this playoffs is very, very exciting, and I want to see where uh, where it does end up with. And, yeah. oh, we talked about this earlier too. James Harden, Chris Paul. You know what I said about them. Right. I, I said that uh, three losers join forces yeah. to combine a super loser team. I would not be surprised if they don't make it past Utah. But, hey, but I mean, they surprised me so far because they showed up in the first right. first round. And right. normally they don't even do that and kind of ran through their team. You know what I mean? Who they but, played? Portland, right? Yeah. Port- no, yeah no, Portland. no, no, no. Portland got swept. We're going to talk about Portland in a minute. Uh, they beat the – I don't watch the West like that. Oh, Minnesota. Minnesota. That's what it was. And Minnesota. I thought it was going to be better than that series than that. But me too. Still, I mean, just to see Harden come out there and still do his thing, what he's been doing in the regular season, it really surprised me. And I want to see, but you know what they're going to do in this round now. But now they're playing some defense. Yeah, you know. And another thing that I loved about the first round is the reemergence of the true point guard. 
uh, Rajon Rondo. Oh boy, uh, he's one of my favorites. Man. Rajon Rondo just just kill just kill Portland, mm-hmm. and Portland is one of those teams that are like the new age teams. Like our point guard score. You know, we yeah. we got two guards that score. It's iso ball, iso ball, iso ball, iso ball. You know, Portland do it. OKC do oh, yeah. it. Um, the Wizards they do it real bad. Just a bunch of iso ball, iso ball, and we seen how easily that those teams got dismantled. I yeah. mean, but they and, Dame Dame kind of Dame he Dame really kind of disappointed me too, man. But I thought he's gonna show up and what he did. But, like but it's said, it's, it's hard, the, you know what I'm the saying? Defense he's playing against. You going against good defense, and then you going against good structured offense. Yeah, and a true point guard, like I was telling one of my homeboys. Like uh, Ben Simmons is a true point. Rondo, Rubio, you know, yeah. these guys are true points. And what it does for the other teams, especially when you have a superstar that can score on the ISO, the, the point guard is there for everybody else. Like LeBron James, he don't need help getting his points off. Right. Donovan Mitchell, he don't need help. He don't need a point guard. He could beat you off the ISO. But Exum, Ingles, I have you say his name, Ingles, you know, Ingles, all these yeah. other guys, uh, Gobert, they need a point guard to score. Yeah. So when you got a true point guard out there with three guys that need his help, and then you got a dude that can beat his man one on one, now your team is deadly. Yeah. And to me, that's what kills OKC every year. And as as long as Westbrook plays the way he plays, yeah, he's try, they try to outplay everybody. Just they out. just try to out iso everybody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And you can't do that. Not in the playoffs. At least. Not anymore. At least. You can't yeah. do it in the playoffs. And that's like uh, so. You know, just going on to watching, you know, the Pacers and Cavs, man. They, that was another good series. Great kinda, series. Uh, it surprised me. Well, I guess it didn't surprise me, really, because I haven't watched the Pacers all year. I, know they were, I knew what Odipo was, mm-hmm. what he was capable of. And, uh, he they kinda, play good defense, He took his too. game to the next level. Yeah, and they as a team, they play some good defense. Offense, too. Offense is pretty good. I think that uh, Cavs kind of exposed Odipo that he couldn't go left. It helped him out a whole lot for that series. You know, kind of because it took him out of the game for those three, uh, those three games, games two through what five or something. Right. So uh, made him kind of a not a non-factor, but it just slowed him down. So I was just happy to see the Pacers do that, man. And like, it, like I said, it goes. It's a testament to see how well the NBA the is doing. NBA is, is coming along. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the thing, I think the thing that would help Cleveland. I mean, I, I don't see them being tested. I think if they play the Celtics, the Celtics put up a little fight, but they're just not there yet. Philly, they're not there yet either. But uh, like this last game that LeBron played, uh, game two against the Raptors, mm-hmm. he facilitated. Like he strictly facilitated. For like the first half. For the first half. Like, yeah. And I've always said that, you know, I'm not a big fan of the dude that facilitates and tries to score. Like, I feel like if you're going to facilitate, that's all you need to do. Yeah. Because these other dudes, they need you to do that. If you're going to score, then somebody else needs to facilitate. So I, I hate, like, when Westbrook do it. I don't like when LeBron do it. I don't like that. See, but I feel like, like you're LeBron playing two roles at once. He really once. don't have a choice, though. But – I think he did it well today. I think, but like, tonight – This is one, like, one of his – This is probably one of his best, best game he had in a long had. time. Yeah, it's like – This is one of these easy one of his top five games he's had of his career. But I'll take you back to when they first made all the trades and they first brought in the new players. Those two games after that, LeBron had, like, 17 assists the first game and he had, like, 20-something assists yeah, the second 20. game. And this this team looked like they were just going to blow everybody out. But then he got away from truly Facilitate. facilitating. Yeah. And you score so easily, you don't even have to focus on scoring. Because there was plays where 
he was looking to facilitate, and the defense was kind of sagging off of him. And two dribbles, he had a, at the rim for a layup. You know what I'm saying? Like without even attacking, like he just, That's you know, right. keeping his head up on the swivel, looking for a cutter. I can see that with Westbrook, but LeBron's just a different animal. Though. Like, LeBron, he cold. Like, it's it's the ways that he can, he can come out aggressive if he want to, or he can come yeah, out you can you can pick your poison. Yeah, so but like, for this this roster, I think him facilitating first would help them so much because. These other guys suck, and they need it. They it need to be fed. But when he does it, sometimes it gets them in a hole. Like, shit, in the Indiana uh, series, he tried to come out facilitating, and they got out down by 20. Man, Indiana, so they just, just got defense. Like, they just got so defense. That's what I'm saying. So sometimes yeah. LeBron has to set the tone. Or sometimes he can let somebody else set it while he facilitates. Right. That, and, that's, just, and that's the thing, though. You know, it goes along to it. Like Kevin, Kevin Love, he, he has to play at a higher level. Yeah. Because you can't facilitate if you ain't got nobody else helping you out. You he know did, what I'm saying? He did that in game two. Right. So, that, you know, that, that was a big two. difference. So, I mean, I don't know if he can produce like that. I mean, you just have to. Consistently. But I expect him to. But You but have, to, have to, bro. To like, I, I'm not a – you have to. Yeah. You get paid a lot of money. Look at that. So, the playoffs have, has just been – it's been more than entertaining. Yeah. Welcome uh, back, Meek Mill. Meek Mill. We watching the Boston game uh, – Surprisingly, it's, it's a lot of celebrities at a Boston game. This yeah. is uh shocking to me. Right. Uh yeah. So predictions on the second round and, and going forward. Uh I think I think I got Celtics beating Philly. Yeah. I got Cavs beating uh beating Toronto. Man, you wanna talk about of that? Of course. Oh my and then God. I got uh I don't I'm up in the air about Houston and Utah, yeah. man. Yeah. But I got I definitely got Warriors beating the Pelicans though. I hope yeah. the Pelicans put up a fight, but I got them beating the Pelicans. Man, the, the Warriors, man, we ain't even really spoke about them, man. It's, it's I like Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant is a is a great player, mm-hmm. but is to me, it's weak that you join the Warriors. I get it though. Man, we can debate that another time, man. We can I get it. Talk about that another time, man. But, but it's weak though. Yeah, and it, to me, I think it hurts him because it definitely hurt his legacy. Well. Kevin Durant is cold. He don't need to go to the Warriors to lead the team to the finals. I think he need to get away from Westbrook, though. You know, yeah. and I like Westbrook too. Westbrook cold too, but he 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 too Westbrook. Like you got to tone it back for the greater good of the team. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you on them. I think we agree on every series. Uh, but I, I would like to see Houston lose. Yeah, not because I'm a Houston hater, because I'm not a hater of Houston. I like Harden. Harden is one of my favorite players. But, you know, I like upsets. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right, man. But thank y'all for tuning in to episode eight. Episode eight, man. We, we like I said, we're moving and grooving. Uh, then line between love and sports. We appreciate all the love, yeah. all the support. Coming soon, thinking about uh, having a, you know, kind of a meet and greet. So like a happy hour type deal, you know, we can kind of get you guys involved more. So be looking out for that uh, coming pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we definitely um, we want to increase uh, involvement and, and, and interaction and all that, you know, yeah. uh, because we're here in the Dallas area and there's a lot of people here that, you know, they don't know about us, but they can definitely learn. We're not shy or anything like that. Yeah. All right. Till then. See you all next time. All right.